is somebody you know who you admire? Who's somebody you know who has accomplished things in your field that you're aware of? You know, the first step would be get out an old-fashioned piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and write down some names of people you can think of that you're like, wow, I, I like what they've done or they feel ahead of me. I don't mean ahead of me like in life overall because somebody could have more money than me and I might know something about marriage that they don't, right? Who are these people? And, and like you really got to get a piece of paper out right now and make a list, not tomorrow. Not Oh, that's a good idea. I'll get to that. No, like do that now. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, I hope you're having a great day. In today's podcast with guest Wayne Herring, he has an interesting story, and of course we love story, where not only did his dad abandon him, but his mom abandoned him when he was six months of age. And so just the dynamics of that and being raised by his grandparents he seems to have turned out okay, and I know, uh, Wayne, when you listen to this, you'll be laughing about that, is Wayne's journey really of just embracing that. And when you're you know, six months old, obviously you don't even realize that your grandparents aren't your parents as part of it. But now Wayne really helps others as a coach, uh, specifically business owners, in taking themselves to the next level. And he shares some of his success stories his dynamics in his journey. But one of the things he really talks about at the end of the show, which is so important around CRG, is just that once he understood his personality, so his personal style, and of course we have the personal style indicator, and also people get clear about who they are, their direction, uh, and Wayne shares an interesting you know, format or process or methodology to be able to get clear about that, is that then we can actually act. Then we can take action. When you don't know that you don't know that you don't know, then how can you actually do anything? So my encouragement is we, we have uh, several online courses, but the one I want to mention today is what do you really value? You know, it's our second most popular tool, the Values Preference Indicator, and it really helps you to get clear, takes you through a methodology and a process so that you know that you know that you know. And when you know, all the research is... Uh, for sure certain that you can make the right decision every time with clarity, with energy, without stress and duress because you have done the work to get clear. So thank you as always for joining us here. If you like what we're doing, share it, pass it on, let somebody else know about it, leave a positive comment, or even let me know about some guests that would be great for the show. So thank you for listening. Here's our guest today. Wayne Herring. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, you know, when we think about life, especially today in these uh, turbulent times, we need to be able to kind of, if you're in business, build it and grow it and expand it. And we have an expert today that's going to be able to help you with that. And even if you're an employee, just to kind of grow yourself. So welcome to Secrets of Success, Wayne Herring. Welcome, Wayne. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I know you're excited to be here. And of course, we were talking off air that you're actually in a closet at your in-laws place. I mean, what people will do to be on a podcast. Can you believe it? (laughs) 
in the closet looking at a poster of Minions because obviously my nephews are in here sometimes, which is cool. <laughs> okay. Well, let's be the Minions today. And by the way, I love that movie. It was just so, Kevin, and maybe I'll, I, I can't do uh, Minion speak, but we'll have some fun with that. So, Wayne, as we do with most of our guests here at Secrets of Success, is just get a sense of your background and where you grew up and sort of your story before we get in some of your expertise of really helping other people grow, you know, as a coach and an advisor. So when you uh, are sort of your background, where did you grow up for most of your life? Sure. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania in a small little town northwest of Philadelphia. The town is Schuylkill Haven, which is hard to pronounce sometimes. Um, and so I grew up there and we actually live there now. We moved back after a few stops in other states and other places. So I live in rolling farm country and it's the same place that my ancestors came to, you know, back in the back in the seventeen hundreds. Wow. And then what was sort of your family business in that rural area? Uh, I I grew up with my grandparents, which is part of my part of my story. Um and my grandfather was an independent coal miner. So he he went to work every day. Him and a few other guys had their own little business, an independent business, and they had a hole in the ground out in the woods. And they went they went down there and, and pulled out coal. And as long as there was more money coming in from the coal that they sold than they had spent on expenses that week, then we got some 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 cash or, or a paycheck. So there was that. And my whole family have, they're, they're a bunch of farmers. So I live in this area where it's um, German farmers live there. And then just to our North was this coal mining area. And so actually several generations of men in my family had both worked a farm and then gone North and worked in the mines. And that's what I grew up around was my grandfather doing that. So are you close to Amish country or not? Yeah, so we are, we're just north of Amish country, uh, Lancaster County takes me, takes me about an hour to get down there. And so there's, there's Amish people. And then also sometimes if you come to where we live, you would see people in horse and buggy and they may be old order Mennonite as well. There's uh, kind of some different uh, divisions. And then my family was not Amish or Mennonite, but they, they came to the United States in a very similar period of time and also came here because of, you know, uh, religious freedom uh, is what they were seeking and also access mm -hmm. to good, rich, fertile land and things. So they're, they're all kind of kin to each other. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, excellent. Now you started this whole thing. You said that um, you grew up with your grandparents. Uh, share the story about that situation there. Sure. Uh, I well, I was born in Germany on an on an army base. My dad was a U.S. Army mechanic, and we came back to the to the United States when I was just a few months old. And my my dad and my mom split when I was about six months old. And you know, it's it's not my story; it's my dad's, but he but he shares it pretty openly. And at that time, my dad was just not in a position to be able to take care of me. He got sober when I was four years old. And, um, you know, at that point, just wasn't the time to, to really be a dad and, and be the one taking care of things. And my mom, who has come into my life in later years, and we've, we've reconciled, it, it took quite a long time. 
Um, but, but she left when I was six months old. Again, that's her story, but my grandparents were, were there and I'm really grateful they stepped up to the plate and they took, even though their three boys were out of the house, they, they took me in and became my parents. And I learned a lot from them and they're still alive and they live five minutes away. And so I just saw them a couple of days ago. Yeah. Wow. Well, so now have you, you said you reconciled with your mom and your dad or? For sure. So my, my dad, when I was four years old, uh, really started to get things in order in his life. And my dad's at that point then remarried and he's always been uh, reasonably close by, of course, except when I went to Virginia and when I lived in Colorado, uh, he hasn't moved. I did. Um, so dad's mm-hmm. always been close by and dad became part of my life and, and he became, it's, it's interesting in that he had, I, I was born when he was fairly young in, in terms of parents and he was raised by the same mom and dad that I was because I grew up with my grandparents. And so in so some ways, this is your father's parents. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So in some ways it almost feels like, uh, my dad is my, my, older brother in some ways and yet he's my dad and so so he was around and I actually ended up you know I worked with my dad uh, a lot in businesses that he had started he was a kind of a serial entrepreneur and the one of the last businesses that he started I did really well and and went through a, a big series of different growth uh, climbs and eventually we sold the company to a publicly traded firm and that after that is when I started doing coaching consulting but so dad's been around a lot and our relationship has grown and we went through the ups and downs of family business. And, um, my mom, she, she came back into my life when, you know, things I guess happen for a reason. Um, but I, I wasn't ready for her to come back into my life for a long time. There had been a couple of, uh, attempts, I guess, for that to happen. And then she had gone away again for, for a while and I hadn't seen her for a while. And I was pretty angry and hurt. I didn't realize I was angry and hurt. It was at a inner kind of inner level. And in 2007, I went on a sobriety, on the sobriety journey and I went through some, some pretty big personal work at that time with somebody helping me digging into uh, resentments and harms that I had done to other people and, and things like that. And so I became definitely more open to the idea of meeting her and, and seeing her and reconciling, but I wasn't doing anything to make that happen. You know? Mm. So what would you say to, mm -hmm. so go ahead, Wayne. Well, my dad, so my dad is leading this company preferred warranties and I'm working there, which she wouldn't have known. uh, But in 2007, she found his email address on his company page and contacted him and said, Hey, do you think Wayne might be, willing to uh, meet me and, and have a conversation. And so he came to me and said that this, you know, that it happened. And I was just at the right spot where I was open-minded to saying, I've made mistakes and I've had to go attempt to reconcile and make things right. So I'm ready to have a conversation with her and be open-minded to hearing her story and, and seeing what can happen. So. Mm. And what was the result of that meeting? How did that turn out? Well, it's, uh, I would say it, it wasn't like Sally Dressy Raphael or Oprah. I'm not sure of the right story to reference. Um, but it, it, you know, when you haven't had somebody in your life, it's, 
I think it's harder to have like a TV. I had in my mind that it would be like someday I'd meet my mom, right? And it would be like a television. We embrace, we hug, and it's happily ever after. It's not quite like that. Like most relationships, it's work. And in most relationships, it's give and take. And now it's trying to understand each other and who are you and, and what does that mean? Um, but we've had an ongoing uh, relationship and conversation since 2007. And I've met her other son, my half-brother, uh, Charles, who is awesome, and I really enjoy being with him. And I was at a place in the growth of preferred warranties. We were building our our footprint nationally, and I was in North Carolina opening up a new sales territory, and that's where she lives. So I was able to spend quite a bit of time with her uh, in that season of my life, and that was really good. Mm. So when you are thinking about your experience, what would you say to listeners around these kinds of situations where – were put in, uh, in, you know, what are, what are some recommendations you have to people around these sort of dynamics where there is uh, broken relationships, et cetera? What could you share from your experience that would be beneficial to people listening? Well, just listening. I, you just, you, you know, use that word listening. It's being open and trying to set aside the the noise in my head or the kind of little professor that sits up there and wants to agree or disagree with what the other person is saying or wants to judge their their motives and what they've done or wants to exact some small measure of revenge or wants to justify my behavior when when we can start to quiet that you know, that inner self, that little voice, and be aware that that's even there. When we can start to see that that may not be pure thought, you know, then then we have a chance to, I think, to hear the other person's story and listen. And I can say the other thing that happened at the time that we reconnected was I had some spiritual advisors in my life. I had other uh, men that I was spending a lot of time with and talking about my growth and development and you know going into the first time that I met her I talked to those guys and just openly shared what what are my fears um, what are my uh, hopes as well both sides of that and and I you know I don't know that they gave me advice uh, because they hadn't necessarily been in exactly that situation but what they did do is listen and let me know that I could call them and I had their cell phone number if I needed some help the next day. So when I think about people that would be listening, if you have, if they have broken relationship, it's, it's being open and it's listening and for sure have some other people that are going to support you and be there for you in that season of your life when you're trying to reconcile and meet with this other person. Great. So how was it growing up with your grandparents? I mean, as a young child, you probably sort of, the thought that they're your grandparents and not your parents is almost obtuse to a, a younger child. So what was it like growing up with them? And they had a really a second chance to be parents. So maybe they did things differently than with their, with your dad, but uh, what was that like? I've heard they did things different. <laughs> My uncles will say, man, he was a lot harder on us than he's been on you. Uh, so for sure, it's probably different the second time around. And I think what you said about 
when when you're younger you don't exactly see it although you know that your friends are with with their your, with their parents and you're not um it was great i mean it was a a great experience growing up um one of the things my my grandfather between the coal mine and then he he's just a hard working guy he up until a couple of years ago he was still working at my uncle's lumber yard uh loading trucks and so so he's just always presented that example of we we work hard and he the coal mine and other things that he would do in life gave me and planted the seed that but you can kind of do you can kind of do whatever you want like you within bounds right you you can you can go out in the woods and dig a hole and get a bunch of equipment and cobble it together and build a business and it was a simple business and we went through a period of time where we didn't have a lot of money from the coal mine they they had some challenges and problems any miners listening uh, would get this they the coal uh, what the, did what they call pinched out and they were now digging rock and when you dig rock in a coal mine it costs money but you don't have anything to sell and so we we went through a tough time but him and the other guys that he mined with went and bought this dump truck and they started a coal route where they would deliver residential heating coal to people's homes and so they just I, i'm sure he worried a lot and just like i do sometimes but they just he just kept going to work and kept doing it and I got to go along in the coal truck, which was cool too, and get a few dollars here and there for helping him uh, shovel it out. So, so my childhood was good, and 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 he was really, I would say, present and engaged, and would do baseball with me, and would um, like include me in those work activities and things. My grandmother was very, very much the same. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting if you actually talk to individuals, they say, you know, a friend of mine says, he says, Ken, it's completely different as a grandparent. And um, interesting, and I think it's mindset where really um, you shift from being a parent to being a mentor as a grandparent, and you're just sort of supporting those kids. So I'm glad that that worked out. Now, after high except, school, except, except I'm going to put a, an except in there as I think about that. Grandparents often are in a position where they, ha they say, we have the kids, and then we send them home. Interestingly, there's some things that were flipped in all that in that my grandparents were the ones primary caretaker, but my dad was now really present in my life, but he became a mentor a lot of times and he's the one that started a, a business. And by the time I was in college, he had an 800 number and it cost a lot of money to call home. And I used to call him because he had an 800 number and he became in a lot of ways a mentor in that mm, scenario. Cool. Cool, interesting, and, and I'm glad that he stepped up and started to play with that. So you went to college. What did you take? Civil engineering. And what was driving that uh, desire? I mean, you just passionate about engineering, or I was the first generation in my family to go to college, and I didn't want to go to college. I had a, a steady girlfriend at the time, and I was working at my uncle's lumberyard, which I mentioned before. My family just tend, has tended to be a bunch of startup businesses and entrepreneurs. I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to work at a lumberyard, and I thought I wanted to you know, get married and settle down and go camping and hunting and all those things I like to do. Um, but my family is pretty insistent. They're like, nobody's ever been able to go to college. You've got awesome grades and you're going. And this came from my uncle, lumberyard uncle, my father, and my grandparents all around. They were insistent. And uh, I didn't know what I wanted to study, but the guidance counselor said, you're, you're good at math and 
math, just being a mathematician, we're not sure what you do with that, but you could be an engineer and you could help build things. And I was like, well, I like digging around in the dirt. And I was like, what my grandfather did with the coal mine. So I guess that'll be all right. So that was, wow. I went to college, well, that was a really. real uh, deep career planning, wasn't it? Since Pretty I'd written deep. a book called The Quest for Purpose, it obviously said, hey, there's a bunch of things that sort of unfolded there, didn't it? And that has happened throughout my life. Tammy Freiler was my guidance counselor at that time. And, you know, she's the one that said, how about a civil engineer because you're good at math. I said, okay. Well, and then the other thing that she did is there was, there was not really funding in my family to just go anywhere. And so I assumed that we'd have to go to a, that I'd have to go to a state college and we we're trying to figure out loans and payment and everything else. And she said, guidance counselor said, Hey, um, you could go, just about anywhere you want, I think, and we can apply for financial aid and you can go there. I'll give you the recipe for how you go and do interviews and how you write your letters and I'll help you. And so I ended up going to Bucknell, a, a private school, and it cost less in the end of it than it would have cost to go to a state school. And not that it was superior, but it was a smaller uh, college, less people, more access to professors, which then ended up helping out when the next person came in my life who revealed secrets on my not intentional path as well. So, Did you end up getting your engineering degree? I did. I got a, I got a four-year civil engineering degree. And then what, what happened there was I would have never thought of going to grad school because, again, remember, I didn't even want to go to college at all. Um, but I met a professor named Jeff Evans, and Jeff Evans became like Tammy Freiler was first. Jeff Evans was the second person in my life who did what I say uh, or call like open up another curtain for me, who showed me like big stage drapes, showed me that you could part the curtains and there was even more on the other side and people were playing the game differently over there. And what I what Jeff did for me was he said, hey, um, you could go to grad school. And I said, my goodness, man, I didn't even think I was going to go to college. Uh, and I don't, where am I going to get the money for that? Now I do have some loans from this whole deal. And he said, no, 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 we'll, we'll get them to pay for it. And not only that, they're going to pay for it and they'll pay you a salary uh, too, to be an assistant, either a research assistant or a teacher's assistant. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, oh yeah, I know how to, basically he knew how to play that game and knew people and, and had some connections and, you know, just during college, he and I had become, uh, he, was a, he was a mentor, I want to say a friend. Uh, I would consider him a friend now, and I'm grateful for what he did. But that's, that's how I got to grad school, uh, because he did show me the way, and I ended up going to Virginia Tech uh, for geotechnical engineering, which is soil engineering, and uh, they paid for it, and they gave me a nice salary, and it was fun. And I met my wife when I was there. Well, of course, that was the main reason you were going there is to meet her. I think so, so cosmically or in a God sense, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. So when you uh, think about geotech from civil engineers, so what did you do with it after you graduated? So another piece of that was another curtain that was opened up was Dr. Evans said, hey, we're going to get you a fellowship through the ADSC, which were, it's the American Drilled, Sat Drilled Shaft Contractors. They're heavy contractors have a trade organization and they do huge like you know three foot six foot diameter holes in the ground caissons some people call them to support bridges and buildings and things like that so you drill these big holes and he said we're gonna we're gonna apply for a fellowship he said it's only a thousand dollars but a thousand dollars is nice when you go to grad school I was like sure a thousand dollars would be nice so I filled out the application I went and interviewed 
with one of their members in, in York, Pennsylvania, a guy named Mike Kohler. And as I won, uh, which was really great, and those guys were wonderful. Part of the whole package was that you went to their national convention in Las Vegas. And when I went there, I just met all these entrepreneurs who had these companies where they're drilling holes in the ground, and they were great. They were so fun to hang out with, and they were so helpful and so nice and so friendly. So my wife and I were at, well, we had met, and we're at Virginia Tech, and I said, I really want to go live in Colorado. And I, she said, well, where, how are you going to get a job? And I said, well, I got this book from ADSC, and these guys were great. And in this book, there's all these contractors who are in Denver, and so I'm going to call these contractors in Denver and tell them who I am and what I, you know, I'm a geotechnical engineer, and I want to move to Colorado, and I want to work for somebody, and I want to, these are things I can do, and surely one of them will have a job. And so I cold call those guys out of that book. Three of them invited me to come to Colorado for an interview and uh, flew me out. Uh, uh, because I asked, I said, I don't have enough money to fly there. They said, we'll, we'll fly you. And uh, yeah, so I, I got a job out in the mountains and it was important to me. I come from blue collar like stock and in engineering school, it's a lot, well, a lot of contractors would say, hey, engineers, some of them only understand drawings on paper, but it's important mm -hmm. to learn how to understand how it really goes together. So I knew I wanted to work for a contractor, and that's so that's how I got to Colorado was by cold calling and setting up interviews. And then Catherine and I spent two years there doing drilling and blasting and cool stuff up in Aspen and Vale in the mountains, hanging off ropes sometimes, doing rockfall protection. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Cool. It's been fun. Uh, well, for sure. I mean, uh, you're not into excitement at all, obviously. So I, I get that. <laughs> so when, so yeah. when you say the firm that you're working there, was it sort of uh, working on the mountainsides or were you putting in sort of bridge pillars? As you mentioned before, what was the main work that you were doing? Yeah, well, so they they didn't drill the big holes in the ground, but part of that organization, another group, does what's called anchored earth retention. And the idea is that you're drilling horizontal holes in the ground to hold the mountain back if there's a landslide or if you're doing a big excavation, you don't want it to fall in on you. And so we did more of that type of work. And once again, when I went to work there, I had a couple guys show up in my life who parted those curtains and showed me the other side. And... There were so we were doing mostly the the big cut retention earth retention for houses in Aspen and Vale, and one of the first houses that my friend Cam Cameron Lovato took me into um, was one of um, Jeff Bezos's houses in in Aspen, and at that time it wasn't he wasn't the big the big deal I guess that you know he is now, and Amazon wasn't quite what it was in 2000, but it was big and it was a going concern. So we would work on those big houses, and um, yeah, they, the company had these trucks with logos on the side, and like big white diesel pickups, and I wanted to get one of those, because uh, I thought that would be neat to have one of those to drive around in. So my friend Cameron helped show me the way to get one of those, and the way was to get into sales, and to get into project management, and be able to read a profit and loss statement for a job, and be able to justify to the company, hey look, I'm generating money and profit for the company and there's a reason to give me this truck and so yeah, that's that's what we did in Colorado there we go now you mentioned you were only there for a couple of years so then what happened 
Well, I was, I was, uh, my wife was back in Denver and I was mostly in a little town of Glenwood Springs during the week and Aspen and Vail. And I was quite an employee and was really learning large ticket sales and learning how to manage projects. But I was a pretty crappy partner, uh, for my wife. I was uh, definitely drinking way too much and working too much for that fact. And so that was part of, part of the reason we came back, I, I would say would be to, to, to have a little break for me and, and give it a shot to move back. And, and the other thing was our family is on the East coast and we're both pretty family oriented. We found that we were traveling back East to family events a lot. And so that's, that's why we were only there a couple of years and then decided to move back home. It, it also, you know, timing was such that September 11th happened and there wasn't as much investment in the mountains and work was slowing down. So it was sort of good timing in that way too, to make a change and come back mm -hmm. home. So you came back home and then what was the next job for you? I, then I got into some design, civil engineering, like traditional uh, office work. And I realized quite quickly that details and looking at drawings and getting things right and not getting out in the field, not really talking to people very much wasn't what I loved. And I was really bad at it too, quite frankly, Ken. And you know, you do you do a bunch of um, testing, right? Or yeah. well, I guess you don't call it. Yeah, we, we have a dozen assessments here at CRG. You bet. Uh, yeah, and and I had never been introduced to anything like that. But now, in hindsight, as I look back, engineers, it, there you have to be exact in your calculations for actual projects in the world. When I was in college you can get a 95 or a 96% on an exam where you're designing beams or structures and people are like, wow, you got a 95%. That's pretty good. If you design a building 95% and only 95% of the connections line up and the people that are building it have to try to make up the other 5%, that's not good. And I never had that happen because there's checks and balances in the engineering world, but the drafts people in the company hated me because they'd be like, are you sure this is right? Are you sure that all your changes are in here? I'd be like, I'm sure. I got it. This is it, baby, this time. And then, you know, as soon as they'd print out a set of uh, construction drawings, within five or six minutes, I'd find the first oversight. Fortunately, I'm fairly good at talking to people and buying them gifts and saying thank you, please. And, you know, so nobody... Yeah, took a swing. So you're covering your like, butt with uh, some makeup stuff there. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then so sometime later I learned about um, behavior styles and how certain people are extroverted, introverted, and cer certain people like details and are good at, it, and certain people are not. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, no wonder that didn't work out very well. Now that's interesting that you got into now. You know, we teach this, and we're one of the top experts in the world around personality and assessments. And it's interesting how you got into a field which is around exactness, yet you and still enjoyed the people side of that business and the projects and all the things that were going on and the excitement of, you know, working on a cliff. So <laughs> the average probably engineer wouldn't. Right. So, but, you're, but you were still in it. So right. it goes to prove a point that just because you don't meet the standard mold, you still had some interest in that field. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And, and I love that field and I love construction and building things. Right. But it's that whole 
get on the right bus and then be in the right seat. And I just wasn't, I wasn't in the right seat and I didn't know how to ask to be put into to sales, for example, or marketing or something like that. They don't really teach you that in engineering school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's needed in those firms, just like an accounting firm or anything like that. So then right. happened after that, uh, Wayne, you got your act together a little bit. You um, started to be a better partner. You moved back East so I didn't quite transition. In? I wasn't quite a better partner yet. Then it was a whole new thing of being in the office late at night, have my sleeping bag there, and some of the bad other behaviors went on. That came later. But what did happen, Ken, was I, I had a opportunity to look at a job to sell cement. And when I read the position of a technical salesperson, I was like, oh, that makes sense to me, talking to people about the technology, but not having to do all the details and the ending work and things like travel and unlimited commissions and and things like that appealed. And so I talked to my dad and I said, Hey, look, I got this opportunity. And he said, I, why would you go into sales? I thought you were an engineer and then kind of went through this story of the type of work that really fired me up and what I like to do. And he said, would you consider coming to work for the family business? that I started and I said, I don't think so. I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, but after a couple months, he and I working through this and talking to other advisors, I made the move and I went to go um, work at Preferred Warranties, his company. And the, the intention was to, to be the vice president of sales and marketing, which was one of the positions, one of the key positions on his executive team that he had never been able to put somebody in that spot and then be able to step out of the role and let that person do their thing. So I'm not sure if it was the people that he hired before, because he would tell great stories about how much they had contributed, or if it was his unwillingness as the founding entrepreneur to let go of one of the things that he re- he really loved in the beginning. So at that wow, point, so I took my dad. you moved out of this yeah. engineering role into a sales role. Now, by the way, preferred warranties, just explain to the audience what kind of business it is. Sure. Still in existence, doing well, part of a a larger publicly traded firm in that space. And what we did and what they still do is we sold used car. uh, They're actually vehicle service contracts, loosely called warranties. But we worked with my dad had been an independent used car dealer once upon a time. So like mom and pop uh, corner lot, we have a few cars for sale all the way up to some independent car dealerships could have multiple locations and hundreds of vehicles, right? So dad had been in that business and had been a mechanic. He was an army trained mechanic. And so, yeah, we, we sold these policies, these independent used car dealers to help them. Sometimes it was a profit center for them to offer these policies to consumers that also help them sell vehicles and position as being different than the competitor down the road. Well, as a former uh, consultant to the auto industry, I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. And so this is mostly in the uh, used car space. So that's great. Then how long did you stick with um, your dad? And then what did you do after that? So it was nine years with dad. And so it, and, and what happened was he, he put me in a, in a position to go through all the departments in the company and learn what each department did and participate and get to know people, build relationships. And, and that was a fun period. I was able to, I would say, use some engineering skills to help identify kind of cracks in the process or inefficiencies and and help those departments get better faster 
more efficient in those ways, but it also opened up the line of communication with the sales department. And so ultimately, I, I went to go lead the sales team and same thing there. I started at the ground level. I went out, boy, I learned, I learned like door to door selling for, from some giants who are our lead salespeople in the company. This is a lady named Kathy, a guy named Greg, somebody named David, somebody named Bob. I'd like to go through them all, <laughs> give them credit because they, they were amazing and they were hard on me too of course i'm i'm the owner's kid right the owner's of course son. yeah you uh spoon-fed boy you yeah there's some baggage to that and and sometimes rightfully deserved uh you know and i didn't want to be that guy i wanted to hustle it out so there was that and then to go into the role i for my purposes felt like i needed to go work in open territory i needed to be able to sign up a new customer i needed to know what it was like to run um, multiple days and a, and a route. And so I had the opportunity to do that in a couple of places. And I was introduced to coaching and consulting and leadership development work at that time. And that, you know, led to, to where I'm at today, Ken. Mm, cool. So uh, when you think about, and then we're, you know, we're transition for, you know, our last sort of 10 or 15 minutes into the show here is now you're a business coach. So share with everybody your name of your company and where they can find out more information about you. Sure. So my company is Business Builder Camp and the website is businessbuildercamp.com. And, and what I've done is we've set up a page just for your listeners with a few resources there. And, and so that address, businessbuildercamp.com forward slash secrets of success. And that'd be a great way to connect with your listeners. So what are you doing now, Wayne, with uh, coaching others? What is it that uh, you're offering in terms of your expertise? I work with business owners, and that's what I've done for the last six and a half years after we exited Preferred, after we sold Preferred. I have a guy in my life, his name is Warren Lewis, and he's retired and has been for a long time. He's the first one to show me personality assessments and some of those things that you do. He's the first one to show me how to do job matching and help people find the right seat on the bus. And when, when we sold the company, he basically, you know, g gave me his time and his expertise and an open phone line to help me get started in this world. And I, I help business owners buy really rolling up my sleeves, getting into their world, understanding what it is they want to build and understanding not only the, the business pieces, but life and how they all intersect. And I've been doing that one-on-one -on -one, uh, the whole time. And recently, uh, well, I guess it's been a while now, 2018, we started having events where we gathered and, and I started gathering male uh, men who are building businesses because of cohabiting and because of also in a, in a fairly small house and also realizing um, that our conversations were going to fatherhood. They were going to lives of adventure. They were going to how do I balance building a business with also uh, being there for my family? How do I talk about money at home when there's a separate set of books over in the business? So we were going there and I gathered up some guys at a, at a house and then at a turkey hunting lodge. And I realized the power of getting a group of people like that who all were similarly situated 
to, to work closely together and to understand each other's challenges and be able to speak into each other's lives. And I realized that I just, I love connecting people. And, mm -hmm. and so that's how I've gotten to, to the business as it, as it is now. Well, let's dive into that. You know, when, you know, listeners, there's some people that don't own businesses that are listening. And so uh, just bear with us, but I'm sure the principles apply to everybody who is listening. What are some of the things you are discovering when you work with your business owners that you're uncovering that would be valuable for the audience to kind of say, here's some of the things I'm finding business owners are doing. And it could be, um, you know, just things that they're missing. There's things that they haven't really considered or things they're un been unable to kind of deal with. So what are some of the things you're dealing with as a coach with them that you're discovering that, that is sure. helpful for the audience to know about? Well, well, and I will work towards that if you own a business or not. You know, I, I know that you have this book that has uh, just come out, I guess, about finding your purpose, right? Correct. Yeah, called The Quest for Purpose. Yeah, Quest for Purpose. And so this, this applies to anybody, but it comes up with my business owners all the time. It's, you know, I think what we want in life and what we want to accomplish and where we're headed, which would be success, uh, the progressive realization that from the strangest secret Earl Nightingale, some progressive realization of a of an ideal, of, of a higher state, of a purpose is, is success. Um, th this applies to everybody, and so we do a lot around taking inventory of where we're at, where I'm at right now. Pause, take a moment, and I, I jotted some things down before I interview that I wanted to share, and I, I just call it the stick figure method, and I do this. Uh, myself and I do this with our business owners it, in the, in the program in business builder camp, we do it on a, on a, on a frequency on a calendar, but you could do this at any time. It's like pause and take stock. And the stick figure method to me is if I have a big piece of paper and I guess I use stick figures cause I don't draw well, but it's also quick. It, I, I'll draw out the names. I, I'm, of, I'm smirking as an engineer. He uh, said, I don't draw well. And I said, oh, oh, great. Okay. So, <laughs> don't anyway, that. I don't think that anymore. Kind of You're good. Too. I can I'm tell you all the bridges I was ever involved with so you don't go over them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the fact that you don't build them anymore is just uh, what a, what a blessing. That is. It, it is. It's a blessing. So if I draw, but, I, but if I have a big piece of paper and I write, I, I draw these stick figures and I draw one, in my case, for four children. And, and so I put these little images to depict my children and my wife. And there should be one for me, too. And then I can have one for employees, and I can have a stick figure for clients. And if I can just spend time getting present to them and who they are, where they're at, what I know about what they want, not so much what I want for them, especially in the case of my kids, what, what do I know about what they want? Which, by the way, I've had moments where I've realized, you know what, I don't know. I really don't know and I haven't been paying attention. But if I can get present to that, where they are, what they want, and, and where they're headed, and then with the business, there can be pieces like that. And if I can take a look at me and look at it all in this big piece of paper, and this is like engineering because we used to use big pieces of paper, so I'm used to looking and thinking that way at a whole project. And I can't, you know, I can't just get stuck on sales in my business because it is connected in some way, shape or form with my daughter who is learning to drive. If I can look at that whole sheet and then start to make some little notes about what's the next step, what's the next move in each of those different areas. And then maybe I think about what questions come up, what, what information don't I have 
uh, what podcast should I listen to? What coach should I get? What mentor? Who can I ask to get the answer? Who's dealt with a similar situation with business or family or life? So that kind of big sheet way of looking at things. That's something we do in camp. We use big sheets. And I'd encourage your listeners to pause and take a moment and, and do do that. Do the stick figure exercise. So what would be some things in addition to what you've said already that I would have around my image? In addition to those things, well, there's there's an old classic a classic tool called the Wheel of Life, and it simply breaks life into different dimensions like uh, physical fitness or health or spirituality or, um, you know, I might put adventure on there. What are some things I'd like to create in life around experiences for me or for others? Um, one of the things on Wheel of Life has to do with my surroundings, uh, vehicle or, or home or yard or, or living down by the creek in a tent. Like it, it's all good. And other, you know, another thing on there would have to do with giving to other people and pouring into their lives. And what way am I making somebody else's life better? I think all those things can go on there. And of course I can't act on all them simultaneously. I need to be able to pick a piece out of it, put it in my calendar or pick a piece out of it, make it part of a daily routine. And some of the things are for later, right? And I just, it isn't a season in my life where I can focus on it, but I, but maybe later finances, right? Savings, uh, which for kids, I think about college, cars, all these things. So those are some of the other things. Yeah, or, or, and not everybody gets a free ride to college. So maybe dad's got to pay for that one as well. So yeah. when you start working with uh, individuals and coaching them, what are some of the insights and things that you are help, helping them to get clarity about that really helps them to not only succeed personally, but, uh, you know, in a business as a business owner? Well, there's that piece of starting with what you want and, and getting clear. And then the next piece is standing from up high, like I said, and, and looking down. I just had a guy, so I had this awesome guy, his name's Steve Curran. He's a uh, salmon fishing boat captain, and I've known him for a couple years back when I was farming. That's a whole other story. And uh, I've known him professionally as a client for a number of years and he's got a boat in Alaska. So on his picture, right, would be this boat in Alaska that only fishes for six weeks and it's like salmon wars and it's intense. Then he has a business back here in Pennsylvania, wild for salmon that sells the wild Alaskan salmon. And it's got a building and a bunch of employees and trucks and shipping. And then he's got a tree care business where he has arborists who are climbing trees and trimming trees and as I say this to you, I have my hands out and I'm like holding it and pushing as though I'm looking at those three different businesses. So when I work with him and I, I just worked with him recently, we're exploring in each of those different businesses as he has evolved, what is his role today in the business? Because that changes in the salmon business. We were talking about, he and I were talking when he first started, he was making the salmon burgers and he was, putting the ingredients together and packaging these things and going to market and offering to people and talking to them, right? Today's world, he has really some high level, high caliber managers who are running that whole business. And if he comes, he may come back in and hang out and talk with people and thank them for making the burgers. But it's almost like in today's world, if he goes back and jumps back on the line, sometimes that can cause a disruption 
to what's going on. So, so things change over time. So I talk with my business owners about that, both individually and then in groups. Like, who are you today and what do you need to do to keep that thing growing and, and progressing according to your vision, which sometimes might be 10xing it and sometimes may not be. There's a whole lot of businesses in our country that are beautiful and they're not going for 10x, right? They, but they employ people, they make their community a better place, they connect folks uh, around the country with salmon from Alaska, for example. You don't have to 10x it um, all the time, but maybe you want to, and that could be fun too. Mm. We could play with that. Well, it's interesting. One of the things I have in my book is this idea that um, ambition is always about being upwardly mobile. And mm. it's not always true. I mean, there's lots of situations where people are quite happy where they're at. Uh, thank you very much. Just leave me alone, please. Now, you, you use a, a couple of words a fair amount of time, a uh, fair amount of times in this interview, and that is uh, curtains and mentors. So yes. what do you say about that to the listeners here today? My life has been, it almost feels sometimes like, uh, just, well, wow, amazing. I can't believe that person, I just can't believe it. I can't believe that person showed up at that time. And I don't know how all that works, and everybody has different spiritual beliefs, but I think there's this idea that when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's been true for me, and I think we need to be watching and aware and open and willing to try things that people tell us. And And that's, you know, I can go through, like, I told you the guidance counselor and the professor and the um, people at, uh, in Colorado who grabbed me by the shoulder and said, here, do this, and then do this. There's been mentors like that. My dad coming back in my life, Warren Lewis, who taught me coaching consulting and remains with me today, and I can call him on the phone. But these mentors, I, I feel like they're out there, but sometimes, I, sometimes I've passed them by, Ken. Sometimes I... I'm sure of it. I'm sure I've missed some opportunities, but I've I've hit a lot of them too, and taken them up on whatever they said to me was the next proposed step. And the and so that's that's mentors. But the curtains piece, life, I, I believe it's a series of curtains, and it's not necessarily better on the other side of the curtain, but it's different. And when we sold uh, the company and got to go interact with you know, people at a boardroom table who bought and sold uh, companies for tens, twenties, uh, hundreds, millions of dollars. I, I realized that they're no different than me and what they're buying and selling is no different than if I'm buying and selling cars or something. It's just a different set of curtains and a different game being played on the other side. And my game might be fun over here, but that game might be fun over there too. And there's different rules and different ways of operating and it's, it's been fun in my life to have people part the curtains and go on that other side and play the game over there for a while. So, yeah. What would you say, uh, sorry to interrupt, I just don't want to leave no, that's Scott good. Wayne is, what would you say to people who are listening around, you know what, I've never really had mentors before. I have, maybe there's a chance out there, but it's just not been part of my life. What would you say to somebody who is saying, you know what, I, I need to consider that. How, how do I even get started? Where do I, where do I go? What do I do? Who is somebody you know who you admire? Who's somebody you know who has accomplished things in your field that you're aware of? It, you know, the first step would be 
get out an old-fashioned piece of paper and a pencil or a pen and write down some names of people you can think of that you're like, wow, I, I like what they've done or they feel ahead of me. I don't mean ahead of me like in life overall because somebody could have more money than me and I might know something about marriage that they don't, right? Mm -hmm. But who are these people? And, and like you really got to get a piece of paper out right now and make a list, not tomorrow. Not, oh, that's a good idea. I'll get to that. No, like do that now. Take a piece of paper and write down these names. And the way all those mentor relationships started for me was simply spending some time with them and asking them to tell me about what, like, what's it like to be a professor and uh, how did you, how did you get to this point and what was it like going to school? And pretty soon they, people want to help you. And I think, you know, if we also share a bit of our heart and a bit of our story and our fears with them, then they're much more likely to, to come and help. I bet, but if you don't have a mentor, they're probably right around you and all it takes is a conversation. But I, ego for me gets in the way a lot of times where, look, it's, you've been in this business since, you know, like 1990s, I looked at your LinkedIn profile, it'd be really easy for me to think, Ken, Ken's unapproachable. I can't talk to Ken because he, whew, oh, I'm never going to be as good as him. I, I'm never going to be able to, to mm -hmm. play at that level. And I'm not, I haven't written a book like that yet. Um, but I, I'd, I'm enjoying talking to you right now in, in this platform and you're, you're very approachable. And so I can't let that get in the way. Or the other thing is always, if I were to look at you and say, well, I'll bet you Ken had some, un like, he probably, yeah, uh, somebody just put him at, in that position, and it was probably, for some reason, it was easy for him. Let me, in Canada, in Canada, it's easy to be a coach, probably, and be an author. When my brain starts doing that stuff and ego shows up, then I can't, I can't approach you, I think, with an open heart and an open mind to allow you to, to speak into my world. Well, it's interesting, uh, Wayne, what you're talking about is for a lot of times we discount sort of our own worth and values. The, the other thing is I make a statement which l links into what you're just saying here is you don't have permission to say no on my behalf. Mm. And so, uh, and that happens a lot where, hey, I grew up on a dairy farm, uh, Wayne, hopefully I'm as approachable as possible. Um, it's certainly not perfect. But just because somebody's been around for so many years or whatever, it doesn't really mean anything. You you come up with these conclusions which are not actually validated or based right. on anything except for sort of your own sort of fictitious mind going off on that. But I, I appreciate that. Now I can't believe it, Wayne, that we've already, you know, come to uh, nearly the end of our show. Uh, and I do really appreciate sort of the story that you have sort of woven and how these people in your life have helped you. But you also uh, demonstrated that you were willing to take the risk and do some moves, some of them um, less intentional than others, but so what? Uh, it's your life, and so we sure appreciate that. But that being said, I want to do two things. So first of all, uh, remind everybody how to get a hold of you. And then number two is what would be some closing statements or word of wisdom for the listeners today. Thanks. Businessbuildercamp.com forward slash secrets of success. And we have some gifts there for your listeners. I'm on LinkedIn. If you look up uh, Wayne Herring Jr., Wayne Herring Jr. is my handle and I love LinkedIn. I, I knew you were going to ask that. And so one thing I wrote down is there's this Faith Hill song that 
I like, and she says, the secret of life is there ain't no secret and you don't get your money back. And I'm not going to sing it, but that <laughs> speaks, speaks to me is there really is no secret. It's, it's like pause and stop and look around and, and be grateful in the moment because I'll bet in a lot of ways, I'm sure you're already a success and it's easier to build on that feeling of I am a success to then get more success. Mm. And, and the other thing I was thinking that I wrote down was get help, ask, be open. If, if I share my vision or what I want to create with enough people, people will help. They, they just real people. We see a lot of rough things about people, but they will help. People show up and will help. Mentors will show up. People will open curtains for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of negativity out here, but there's some people out there like Wayne Herring who are nice and kind. <laughs> so, so, so we'll go with that. And, you know, so Wayne, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today and uh, sharing your insights and your story so that uh, people would be encouraged today. Thanks. It's really been great to be with you. I've enjoyed the conversation, Ken. Well, you've been listening. Thanks, Wayne. You've been listening to Wayne Herring, businessbuildercamp.com. And of course, he has a, a gift for uh, Secrets of Success listeners. So, slash secrets of success i'm not sure where he got that from and that's really a hard one but my encouragement is as wayne has said and we've said on these different shows is you know, don't do life alone uh get a mentor have some people around you take stock uh i love the stick figure idea that wayne has shared with us around just really starting to identify the different components and individuals in our life that we say, you know, where am I at right now? Where do I want to go? And, you know, if I don't have a pathway, then anything will get us there. Uh, so, again, what direction do we want to go in? And you know, we all need it. It doesn't matter who we are, myself too, just saying, you know, what's next? Now, we thank you as always for being a Secret of Success listener. If you like what we're doing, you know, please pass it on, share, leave a positive comment on whatever. Uh, uh, platform you're listening on and the other one is that really just if you have some comments for us that uh, we love to hear from our listeners you've been listening to secrets of success i'm your host dr ken keys thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us if you want to keep the momentum going log on to crgleader.com scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails you can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.